we're going to start here and we're going to begin the, the sixth and final area of our reasonable service. And it's going to be here in chapter 14, uh, verse 1, all the way to 15, uh, chapter 15 and verse 7. And as we've come across here, we've been uh, looking at our reasonable service. If you go back to, there to chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So we have a living sacrifice mentality that comes out of understanding our identity in Christ, Romans 6, 7, and 8. We have this issue of a reasonable service. Now, this isn't a logical thing, okay, because our natural bent is going to be completely opposite of what he's done told us to do <laughs> through this. Verse 2, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And that issue there of being transformed, by how? How am I to be a living sacrifice? By the renewing of my mind. So as we, I cleaned my board this morning again because I wrote on it the other night. But the, when you think about where we're at in Romans, in, in Romans chapters 1 to 5, we have the foundation of our justification. Okay? We're saved by faith and faith alone. Saved by the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. But now, the righteousness of God without the law is revealed. Then we move to the next foundational block, which is 6 through 8, chapter 6 through 8. Okay? That's our identity. Because we are, we, uh, Romans 5.1, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. Because we have that status with God now, he gives us his identity. And we learn that we are dead to sin in chapter 6, to the law in chapter 7, and to the flesh in chapter 8. We're dead to that. A dead man can't interact with that, okay? Yet, you're, you didn't physically die, spiritually, the condition. Because we are dead, he says, you're alive to God, you're alive to the Son, and you're alive in the Holy Spirit, okay? 6, 7, and 8. Then in chapters 7, I'm sorry, 9 through 11, we see the dispensational issues with Israel and what's transpiring there. And the fact that God has set Israel aside and is doing this now with the, with the Gentiles. He can do that. He's not violating anything that he promised with Israel because when we're done, what's he gonna, when the dispensation of grace is done, what's he going to do? pick that back up, okay? That's why Romans, everybody skips Romans 9, 10, and 11 because they go, oh, I just can't understand it. No, you can't understand it. We just spent six months in it, but you can understand it. And, and it's actually very liberating when you do. Now, in 12 to 16, we have some grace application of this doctrine. So when he talks about reasonable service, 
He's not talking about reaching over and grabbing something that you haven't learned. He says, okay, here's the will of God concerning you and what you're going to do now in your details of your life. Again, in Romans 12, first time Paul's ever mentioned to the believer about the will of God. He hasn't said anything about it till here. Well, what is it? It's good. It's got a purpose. Yesterday in the men's meeting, we've been in Genesis 1, and God will create, and he'll say, it was good. Well, why is it good? It matches the blueprint. Proverbs 3, wisdom. God had a blueprint. He goes, he creates, it matched the blueprint. It's good. It had a purp- it's got a purpose. That's the issue of good. Because it has a purpose, it has a design, then what is it to me? It's acceptable. Okay? I may not understand what, what the design is yet, but I know that it's got a design to it, so what is it? It's, it's going to be acceptable. Then perfect. The issue there is maturity. Grow me up. Perfect. Perfection in Scripture isn't sinless. It's maturity, okay? So we've got that. So what did we do? We learned real quick in chapter 12 that there are some areas that we need to, we need to understand now at moving forward to take on the mindset and the thinking of God to renew our mind. Again, not rehab it. You don't rehab the old, that old sin nature. He ain't changing. But what do we do? We rehab the new guy. We build up the new guy. So we learned in chapter 12, we have a reasonable service to, to the body, to one another. And for the first time, we learn about this body concept, the church, the body. We haven't learned, this is you, you, you. Now we're learning some things about your interaction then with body life. And, we, and that's really the rest of 12 down to verse 16 is about dealing with body life, interaction. What's my attitude going to be? Uh, let love be without dissimulation, that love, that value, that esteem. Then in verse 17, 18, 19, and 20, and 21, we deal with the enemy. Not any enemy, not really the lost. What do the lost need to do? They need to get saved. We got that. But now we're talking about an enemy, an active, someone who's actively against us. How do we deal with that? What is God's thinking about it? Then in chapter 13, the first seven verses, here's human government. Why did God create human government? What's my attitude to be about government in the interaction? Well, what is it? It's to be subject to it. Yeah, but there are none. Paul never says anything about the form or the people or anything. He just says you need to understand the basic tenets here of why God formed human government. Then in verse 8 to 14... Now we're going to deal with that ultimate issue with society, and that is that we don't need the law. We are to love one another. Loving one another is fulfilling the law. And again, that love thing, that love issue is at Philippians 1.9, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in judgment, that you may be able to discern some things. Having that, it's a mental attitude issue of thinking down through things. Now we come to chapter 14, and in chapter 14, verse 1 through verse 7, the largest section here, 
we're going to deal with the relationship between a stronger brother and a weaker brother. And there, he's got, there's a lot of information here. Uh, 14.1, him that is weak in the faith, receive ye not, but not to doubtful disputations. For one believeth that he may eat all things, another who is weak eateth herbs. Let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not, and let not him that which eateth not judge him that eateth, for God hath received him. Who art thou that thou that who art thou that judgest another's another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth. Yea, he shall be holden up, for God is able to make him stand. One a man esteem one day above another, and another esteem every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. He that regardeth the day regardeth it unto the Lord, and he that regardeth not the day to the Lord he doth not regard it. He that eateth, eateth to the Lord, for he giveth God thanks. And he that eateth not to the Lord, he eateth not and giveth God thanks. For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord, and whether we die, we die unto the Lord. And whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ both died and rose and revived, that he might be Lord both of the dead and the living. We're going to stop right there for now. There's a lot going on here, and this is a big section, and you've got a lot of things. Some, some are going to eat meat or not eat meat. Some are going to eat herbs or not eat herbs. Some are going to esteem one day over a, a day. We're not to judge. We're not to despise, but yet we are going to be held accountable. If you look there at verse 10, but why dost thou judge thy brother, or why dost thou set it not thy brother for we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And for the very first time, he's now going to introduce to us the idea of the judgment seat of Christ. He doesn't give the details here. He just says, what are you, you're going to give an account. Verse 12, so then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. He doesn't say, okay, 1 Corinthians 3, Make sure how you're building on your foundation. What are you building? Wood, hay, and stubble, gold, precious stone. He doesn't say any of that. That's in 1 Corinthians. Here, he's just establishing this is our foundation. This is the foundation of grace. Okay? That's the foundation. This is all about the cross and its impact to you. So, how are you doing on your foundation? What are you doing? He doesn't do any of that here. He says, we'll do that in Corinthians right now. You need to understand that there is a thing called the judgment seat of Christ, and it's his judgment seat. So there's a lot here to look at and to kind of digest. 14.1, he says, him that is weak in the faith, receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. Notice him. It doesn't say they that are weak. It says him. So evidently, this is not a, uh, a, big, thing, a big issue. It isn't a lot. There's, it's not, a, it's not a, uh, a huge number of people, see, that we're going to come in that are going to have this uh, weak in the faith condition, okay? Rather, it's... It's, it's relegated down to one, one individual here. So this is not the normal condition that's happening within that local assembly. 
our local, so forth, okay? Now people do come in, don't understand everything, so then how are we to interact with them? How do we deal with them and so forth? He's going to lay out principles here. The first principle he's going to lay out here is this principle of receiving one another. Verse 1. Now, look over at chapter 15 and verse 7, just to get the bookend, the book, the, the bookends. 15.7. Wherefore, receive ye one another as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Then verse 8, now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister. See how now he's going to move on to, he's going to conclude the book out now. So 14.1, what are we to do? We're to receive him that is weak in the faith, receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. 15.7, the book in, how are we to receive him? As Christ also hath received us to the glory of God. So we've got this picture here. So our reasonable service in this relationship between the weaker and the stronger brother, some that know and some that don't know, okay? So this section, Paul is introducing to us several principles here that as we go through, we're going to catch the, the purpose statement of them, and then later they get developed out, okay? So in chapter 14 here, the first three verses... This first principle is this principle of receiving one another. How did Christ receive us? That's the standard. Okay? How are we going to receive this guy? Not to doubtful disputations. All right, we'll look at that here in just a minute, okay? So, because all we're going to do is get verse one, <laughs> and then we'll get a chunk next week, I hope. All right? The thing is, is the measure in how are we going to deal with each other here? That's the measure. Then the second principle starts in verse 4 and goes down to verse number 9, and that's going to be a principle of sonship. They have a standing before the Lord. All right? One receives one, this one, but they all stand where? Before the Lord in Christ. Then in verse 10 through 13, the third principle, the principle number next, is the principle of the of, of Lordship of his, who he is. Here, again, the first time we're introduced to the doctrine of the judgment seat of Christ, and ultimately what we're going to see is that no one has the right to judge anyone but Christ. And no one has the right to occupy Christ's judgment seat. No one has that right. Only, and by the way, only he can do it. If I judge you... I, I'm as guilty of stuff as you are. See, I, you know, the, the thing there, let him that sin cast the first stone, you know, idea. No. Look over at uh, 2 Corinthians. Uh, uh, actually, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 4. 1 Corinthians 4. So this third principle here is going to be this principle of lordship, of, of his lordship, of who he is. He alone, 1 Corinthians 4 or 5, Paul writes, Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord come. See that? Verse 4, For I know nothing by myself, yet am I not hereby justified, but he that judgeth me is 
the Lord. See that? That's the idea that's going to come out of Romans 14 here. He alone and only him can, can judge justly and righteously. No one else can. So when in this relationship over here, be careful not to be the judge. And that goes both ways, by the way, with the stronger and with the weaker. Because sometimes the weaker likes the... You guys ever seen how wimpy soccer players are? They get just touched on the foot and they're down screaming. That's a weaker brother sometimes. When they're not hurt at all, but they're going to do what? Scream because they know you're going to do to get a, you know, they play the victim card. You're not a victim. Romans 8 has taught you that life is not your enemy. And all these things, you are more than conquerors. Life's not your enemy. You're not a victim. Sorry, Charlie. <laughs> That's me. Sorry. Okay. My first name's Charles. So I'm sorry, Charlie. No, you're not a victim. So when you're in this relationship, don't play, don't, oh, I'm the weaker. You just know, my, no, shut up and grow up here. Come on. Why? Because what tends to happen is, is we play this judgment card of you're picking on me because I just don't know. No, I'm not, okay? And you play a victim, and you're not to do that. However, the stronger brother has what? He's got the more on the neck because he should know better. And actually, we'll get down and we'll talk about the sinning against the weaker brother is really a sin against Christ, Paul will say. Because as a stronger one who knows and understands, you should be on guard to that. And what's going to happen is, is we're going to get into, starting in verse 14 down to 23, is the principle of our liberty. And the fact is, is that we have Liberty has a place. There's a place that liberty has in your life and where you're to understand your liberty and you can then use your liberty to serve and not... Uh, Harry Bultima, one he, a guy wrote a book on, uh, back in the 1800s, okay, early 1900s, and he said, it has been said... Well, he didn't say that, I said that... <laughs> No one has the right to give up their liberty, but we have the liberty to give up our rights. Okay? And that's it. You don't, you don't lose, and we'll, we'll look at this when we get in. We'll go over and look at 1 Corinthians 8, 9, and 10, where Paul talks about liberty and the fact that you have a right to use your liberty to not offend somebody, and but yet not get. Okay? So there's principles here that real quickly get in, and again, we're going to see this principle of the proper exercise of liberty. And again, first time, here it is. And in this, Paul's warning us, really, that the stronger, is to, the stronger brother is to exercise liberty, and they're to do it charitably. And the focus really becomes, focuses in on the, those that are stronger. And a greater responsibility is given to the stronger, not the weaker, okay, but to the stronger. And it's very instructive when we see this. Then the fifth principle is 15, chapter 15, verse 1 to 7. And we see the principle here of forbearance. 
And when you deal with people, by the way, weak or strong, <laughs> you have to forbear. And forbearance is what is needed. And if you look there, verse 1, we then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak, but not to please ourselves. Let every one of us pl please his neighbor for his good to edification. For even Christ pleased not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproach thee fell on me. The ultimate example of bearing the burdens, forbearance, is the Lord Jesus Christ. And it will be wonderful here when we get into this to see how far does forbearance go? Well, for Christ, it went where? All the way to the cross, see? So verse 4, I'm, I'm sorry, verse 3, it costs to forbear, doesn't it? It costs the Lord his life. You have to be willing to count the cost. Understand it, know it, see what's happening, and so forth. We're to bear the infirmities. By the way, verse 4, for whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another, according uh, one toward another according to Christ Jesus, that ye may with one mind and one mouth. See, the goal is this oneness. Everybody in this room is at different levels of understanding. And yet, what are we to have? We're to have a oneness. So how do we have that? Well, we have that because of some instruction here. Go back to verse 1 about how to interact in a weaker, stronger scenario when it comes up. So verse 1, Him that is weak in the faith receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. Again, him. Numerically, this is one guy, apparently, here. It could be more. Or it could be, you know, obviously it can't be less than one. Then we wouldn't have it, right? <laughs> All right? So it's not, a, it's not a big thing. When we started the church back in 1998, we were in my living room, and then we moved to La Quinta. And at La Quinta, at the time, there was just myself and Nick and Susie. Nick was the only other gentleman. Do you know how hard it is to pass an offering plate when there's only two of you? So you know what we did? We bought a little suggestion box and made that the offering box and put it by the door. Okay? By the way, the rest of the room was, was ladies. So they're like, well, we can do it. I said, I know you can do it, but that's really not the principle. That's not the, let's just do this. That's why we, have a, we use an offering box and not pass plate because... We just have been doing it since day one, you know. But when you think about that, well, why, how hard was, you know, how, well, there was some maturity there that what did we have to do? We had to grow up. We had to figure out and work through and, and growth-wise. So when you think about weak here, he's weak, but weak in the faith. Now, he's not weak in faith. He's weak in the faith. So that, and those are two different things. The faith rather than in faith. Look at this guy. Just kind of think about this. What, I'm looking for the verse. Verse 3. Let not, not him that eateth despise him that eateth not, and let him not him 
which he doth not judge him that he doth. For God hath received him. Oh. Actually, it's verse 6. I'm sorry. He that regardeth the day regardeth it unto who? The Lord. See that? And he that regardeth not the day, who does he regard it to? The Lord. For he giveth thanks. He giveth who? God thanks. You see, he's not weak in faith. What, everything he's doing, he's doing to who? To the Lord. By the way, that also tells you he's not being antagonistic. He's not looking for a fight. He's not looking, he doesn't have an ulterior motive, the weak guy. What's, a, what's he doing? He's wanting to learn and grow. So it's a positive. I tell folks all the time, you're welcome. We welcome everyone who comes in peace. If you've come to make a fight, then we'll fight, but then you're going to be asked to leave. Okay? So why? Because the local assembly is to be a place of harmony and, and, and protection. And, you know, folks come in and they don't agree with the fundamentals issues, then I, I've said it. I don't know why you're doing here. You know, if you're not, come on. You know, and they get all mad and huffy and you kick me out. I didn't kick you out. I just asked a question and you never gave me an answer, but you did, I guess, because you're not here anymore. The weak in the faith, not weak in faith, but the faith, that there's a distinction here. He has faith, but yet he's, there's something here that we, have, we need to pay attention to as we begin to look at this. This person, he retains some opinions, some thinking, some convictions that are not consistent with the revealed truth from God through the Apostle Paul. Okay, weekend the faith. And we have to remember here, when Paul talks about the faith, he's not talking about, he, he's not talking about this guy doesn't believe in God or the Bible or anything. He's talking about, in, he hasn't yet built into his inner man some foundational information. Maybe he has, and he's just not able to now apply it. Okay? So weak here in the faith is really got two points. Doesn't understand the basics yet, or he does, and he just doesn't understand how to apply. Okay? So we're not talking about someone who's not loving the Lord or not any of that or just looking to cause trouble. They're just in a weak condition in their understanding. Now think about this. He, he, again, he hasn't built into his inner man these glorious truths that allow him, that liberate him from con some convictions that aren't sound in the truth, okay? Where would this guy, notice how he says there in verse 2, for one believeth that he might eat all things, another who is weak eateth herbs. Where does, where does eating stuff and not eating come, out, come from? Usually a religious background, doesn't it? You know, you think about the Roman Catholics. What do they eat, fish on Friday or whatever or something? They don't eat this, they do this. They do. Well, if you've come out of Roman Catholicism, what are you quickly not going, what are you quickly going to question? What are you guys doing? When we've had that here in the past where we've had folk, we do the Lord's table, communion. Lord's Supper, Lord's Table, whatever you want to call it, we actually call it a fellowship dinner, okay? 
Well, how that all came about was we did the little cracker and wafer one Sunday. And one of the gentlemen there goes, uh-uh, I ain't doing that. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? And he goes, when I was a Roman Catholic, that's what we did. And we did this abracadabra, shish, bam, boom, and we became cannibals. And that was his word, not mine. <laughs> and I'm like, huh? And you know what he did? He was coming to understand the word rightly divided. He got saved. He's coming into some dispensational truth. And then here we go over, and we do something that we've always done traditionally, and he goes, uh-uh, I'm not eating that. See? So that put a pause in my bonnet real quick. Okay, hang on a minute. Why, you know? And we went and st- I went back and got into studying it and looking at Paul and what Paul actually says about the Lord's table. That's what he calls it. And going, wait a minute, that cracker wafer thing, that's just a Protestant tradition of a Catholic mass. We're not doing that. We're going to do something else. And we, you know, get into it and find out that when Paul says to the Corinthians, when you come together and eat, well, what would that be? Potluck, right? But this isn't potluck. This is a, a meal designed to do in remembrance of him. So anyway, we made changes, okay? But the thing is, is where did this guy come from? He came from a Catholic background. I'm not doing that. And I, I'm glad he mentioned it because it caused us to move on in some understanding of what we should be doing. See, so, And again, it's just something that he's learning. He saw it in a, oh, wait a second here. You guys are preaching grace and liberty and all that. And then you come over here and do something that looks like that? So, again, a good heart wanting to understand and know, but he's got a doubt, doesn't he? 14.1, but not to doubtful disputations. What's our mandate? We are to receive him. And that's the issue. That's the principle here, principle of receiving him. What are we to do? We're to receive him. He's understanding some grace, truths, but he's just not ready to, he just doesn't understand how to apply it yet, okay? So when you, now, again, there may be a lack of understanding. Okay, then what do you do? Well, you get in and get to understanding in there. You you help him learn, and you build up. So those two things there, you have to learn and retain, and then you have to move over, and then you have to apply. We are to receive him, not to doubtful disputation. Doubtful disputation, that has to do with, we don't want to argue. We're not trying to engage in a big debate to win. What are we trying to do? 2 Corinthians 1.24, be a helper of your joy, for by faith ye stand. So our attitude in it, this guy has some doubt. And that, you know what, that's okay. We're, we are to instruct them in the doctrine. We are to help them. And we're to, so when we come into this whole section here, we've got to see what Paul's doing with us. Now, again, our own flesh activity thinking is, you, I've often, I often look around the room and internally say, why don't you people get this? <laughs> you know, I do. And if I can get it, you can get it. Well, well, we don't all fun. That's, that's a doubtful disputation, okay? We don't do that. 
We're to renew our mind, and we're to be looking for the betterment. We're to be looking for the, the, to be that helper. This guy, again, he's doing it to honor the Lord. He's not doing it maliciously, and yet he's called weak. When you think about the word weak, usually we think about, if you look at 15.1, we then that are strong ought to bear the, what, infirmities. So usually when we think about infirmities and weak, we think about someone who's, what, sick, okay? Well, this guy isn't sick. He's, he's weak in that he's lacking the proper understanding or the, he's lacking the proper application of the sound doctrine. And therefore, it's an infirmity. It's not, he's not healthy. When Paul uses that term, sound doctrine, sound words, that word sound in Acts is defined as life-giving. Well, if I'm, in, if I'm not there, then I don't have that life yet here. I'm still trying to learn, work that out. So what, I need some help. That's what Paul's getting at here. To be weak in the faith has nothing to do with a lack of faith or a lack of morality or a lack of character, but rather it has to do with a deficiency in understanding and or application. It could be both, and that's what we're dealing with. So let's go back, go back to Romans 1, and let's just look at this issue about the faith. Romans chapter 1. While you're going that way, I'm going to go the other way. Uh, if you look at, uh, you got Romans 1. Run, run real quick over to 1 Corinthians 8, just in verse 1. Because we're going to come over and look at this next time about eating and so forth. 1 Corinthians 8, verse 1. Paul says to the Corinthians, Now as touching things offered unto idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Okay? So we have knowledge, yet what does he say? Knowledge puffeth up, but what? Charity edifieth. So having the knowledge is one thing. What do we need? We need the application of it too. That's the charity. Charity is love in action. Charity is taking the knowledge and the understanding and putting it into shoe leather, moving it out over here, doing something. So when you think about this, that's what Paul's dealing with over here. Now, come back to Romans 1. So just because of the, the clock ticking and the notes are here and telling me to let's move. So when we talk about the faith, he's weak in the faith. The faith is a reference to a system of revealed truth, specifically the revealed truth given to the Apostle Paul. Paul is one of, he's the only, if, or I think the Lord does it as well, I can't hold me to this, that uses that term, the faith. Okay? In Acts, Luke will say that Paul, that the, the, uh, Paul in Acts 8 there, he's persecuting the way. Well, what's the way? What did the Lord say? I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh. The way is that little flock. Here it's the faith. See? So look at Romans 1, verse 5. By whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith 
among all nations for his name. We, Paul himself, this is a declarative statement of Paul himself. The Apostle Paul says, what, what did, We have received grace and apostleship for obedience to, notice, the faith among all nations for his name. Paul, the Apostle Paul, is the means by which God draws attention to the dispensational change and the doctrines that are the truth that is associated with that. Verse 1, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. Notice, Paul, is a, he's a separated apostle. He's not a part of the other apostles, i.e., the 12. Obviously, that would be the big 12, <laughs> Okay, Big 12, is that, that's a, too much football yesterday, sorry. Okay, no, what, he's, he, he goes, I'm separated from the, I have something else. I'm, he was separated to, verse 5, the faith. But notice it's the faith among who? All nations. Israel, the little flock wasn't going to all the nations yet. That's a millennial kingdom, kingdom program. Matthew 28 belongs in the kingdom. Here, what are they doing? They're trying to get Israel good to go to go do that. See, So what you have here is you have an international message now. You have an international faith. A revealed truth, a revealed doctrine that is addressed to all nations. That's why with Paul it's all men. See that? That's fascinating. Come over to chapter 16. Chapter 16 of Romans. Romans 16, verse 25. Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began but now is made manifest and by the scriptures of the prophets according to the commandment of the everlasting God made known to who? All nations for the obedience of what? Now that's of faith. That's the individual. We're talking about the, what I want you to, to, to the, made known to who? All nations. See that? By the way, we do preach Christ, but how? According to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret, but now is made manifest. Come over to 1 Corinthians, actually 2 Corinthians 13. So the faith is that system of revealed truth specifically given and revealed by and through the Apostle Paul. So when Paul, when you read the faith, well, then here we go. He's weak in the what? The faith, that revealed set of doctrine given to Paul. Or he's got it, he just hasn't quite got the application part of it down. And that is honestly the struggle with, with the majority of, I'll be honest with you. You learn something, you go, okay, how do I apply that? <laughs> how does that work? 2 Corinthians 13, look, if you will, at verse 3. Paul speaking to the Corinthians here, Since ye seek a proof of Christ speaking in me, which to you were it is not weak, but is mighty in you. So Paul has spent... 2 Corinthians is the most personal book of Paul that he's written. 
It's probably the fourth epistle that, or letter that he's written to Corinth. And it's the most personal. And in, that, in this letter, he has laid out a system of, of evidence of Christ speaking in him. Okay? There's actually four of them through there. He, he lays that out. Now look at verse 5. What does Paul say then? Examine yourselves, whether ye be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates. Notice that. Examine yourself. Here's my proof, 12 chapters of it. You guys need to go in and what? Examine yourself. Are you even in the faith? Not are you saved, because what are they? They are saints of the Most High, 1 Corinthians 1, 1 to 8 there. See? But are you operating here? How you, do, you know, and by the way, some were, some weren't. That's why he calls them reprobates. See? So that the faith, there's a, been a Jewish element come into Corinth there, and they have come in and said, hey, you need to get rid of Paul and you need to move away from Paul. You need to reject Paul. And if you reject Paul, then you're rejecting his message and his ministry and the results of that is that you're rejecting the faith. Okay? Now, come over to Colossians 1. The faith. Colossians 1, verse 23. Colossians 1, verse 23. If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which ye have heard, and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. Again, notice how the faith is connected to Paul and his ministry, his message, his preaching. But how do we continue in the faith. How do we continue in the system of revealed truth, grounded and settled? See how he says that. If, if, if you continue in the faith, what? Grounded and settled. See? So it's not a lack of faith. You don't have faith at all. But rather, it's a, it's a lack of an understanding of the faith. Now, if you think about this, the faith. That system of, of, of revealed truth and doctrine addressed to all the nations through the, and by the Apostle Paul. But look at verse 23. And be not, what, moved away from the hope of the gospel and so forth. You can be moved away from it and not continue in it, but yet never lose your what? Your justification. You're sealed, Ephesians 1.13, okay? My point is, is as you do this, so it is possible to be moved away from the faith. Again, not a lack, not of talking about your personal faith, but talking about that system of revealed truth. Come over to 1 Timothy chapter 4. Think about this. Just some things here about the faith. 1 Timothy 4, 1 Timothy 4 and verse number 1. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, that in the latter time some shall depart from the faith. 
giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. So what can you do? You can depart from the faith. By the way, this is the only time that Paul says the Spirit speaks. Very interesting. Now, we know the Spirit speaks and works through his word, 1 Corinthians 2. But Paul specifically brings up the Holy Spirit here, and it's a, the Spirit speaketh what? Expressly. This is a very animated thing here, because what are we learning in 1 Timothy? In 1 Timothy, we're learning that the vehicle in which God has ordained that the work of the ministry be done in is a local assembly. But church history, from the days of Paul till today, is that some are going to depart. And that church, the body of Christ, that corporate entity, is going to go off into apostasy just like Israel did. And how they do it is just like Israel did, and that is they leave the word of God. They say you don't have it. They put it over here in this or that. They say you can't translate it. You've got to have the original. You've got all this stuff. By the way, if Romans 1.5, the faith is to go into all the nations, and in Romans 16.26, it's going to all the nations, does that mean, doesn't that, wouldn't that tell you that the word of God has to be in the languages of all the nations? Makes sense to me. So it isn't keeping and preserving the originals, it's keeping and preserving those copies and keep, you know, that issue of preservation all the way down through. Why? Because other nations need the word too. Yeah. Just because it's in English, well, for us English-speaking people in the King James Bible, we got it, man. And we hold on to it and we look. But it's got to be over here too and somewhere else. Now, I don't speak those languages so they can go find it. You follow that? You know. So, But what do they do? They attack the word of God and then they go and attack Paul. The point is, is you can depart from. Now watch verse 2. Speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. They're taking heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. They're leaving the faith. That means they were in it, and now they're going after something else. They've been seduced away. Okay? And they, their conscience is seared. Now, in Romans 14, we're going to see the stronger exhorted to... Um, be aware of the weaker brother's conscience and for con his conscience' sake. And yet here, what's happening? Con seared. You, have, you, have, you, know what, you know what it is to sear something, you know? You, you, you watch John Wayne on the cowboy movies, and they get a bullet hole, and he's over there with the knife in the thing, and he, you know, and then he gets right up and walks and jumps on his horse and rides off. You know that ain't how it happens in real life. But what do they do? You see it, and what do you get? You get that scar tissue. And it just builds up, and it builds up, and it builds up. And the only thing that's going to penetrate down through that is the Word of God rightly divided. That's why in 2 Timothy 2, he says, Hey, you servants of the Lord, you need to be gentle and apt to teach and instructing those that oppose themselves, that they can be delivered themselves out of the snare of the devil by his will. See, so you've got, but you've got this seared conscience Verse 3, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats. Isn't it interesting this meat thing keeps coming up? It is. Okay. Which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving to them 
which believe and know, notice, the truth. Now, in verse 1, they're going to depart from the faith. And in verse 2, they know what? The truth. Same interchangeable here. Verse 1, the faith. Verse 3, the truth. The same thing. 2 Timothy 2.15, what are we to do with the truth? Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. What? Rightly dividing the word of truth. Rightly dividing, putting things where they... You see, they have a problem with the Bible. They have a problem here with recognizing and acknowledging the ministry and the message of Paul. That's their issue. First, uh, chapter 5, 1 Timothy. Look at verse 8. But if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he have denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. It's Again, you can depart from the faith. You can be moved away from the faith. You can depart from the faith. You can deny the faith. That means he knows the truth, and he's decided to do something else. That's just, well, that's man for you. That's what it is. He's aware of it. He just doesn't like the application of it. So I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do this. And off you go. Look at chapter 6 of 1 Timothy, 6.10. 6.10, for the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some covet after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. See that? Err? You can err from it. You know? Verse 21, 6.21, which some professing have erred concerning the faith. There's... So it is possible to err from it. Now, by the way, again, these folks aren't losing their salvation, okay? If you come over to uh, chapter 2 of 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy 2 and verse 11. It is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. You belong to him. The moment you said, I do to Calvary, you're his. You can deny him all day long. In the end, he's not going to deny you because he can't deny himself. See, that's that ceiling. So when you err from it, when you deny it, depart, you're not leaving justification. (laughs) Okay, but you're just leaving that revealed truth. You're in 2 Timothy. Look there at chapter 3. Chapter 3, verse 1. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. So now in 2 Timothy, here's church history. The, The church at large is in apostasy. They have left the testimony of the Lord. And they have left the Apostle Paul. Verse 8. Now as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so did these also resist the truth. 
men of corrupt minds, reprobate concerning the faith. Reprobate, empty, mindless. What did they do? They, they left, They're, they've resisted the truth, and they've messed with the faith. Chapter 4, verse 7. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. That system of revealed truth, Paul says, I've been right there since day one. <laughs> I have never left it. Titus, chapter 1. By the way, could Paul have left it? He sure could have. He sure enough struggled with it in 2 Corinthians 2, 2-7. to He struggled with it bad. But he didn't leave it. He worked down through it. Titus 2, I'm sorry, Titus 1 and verse 13. This witness is true, wherefore rebuke them sharply, that they may be sound in the faith. That revealed package, come back to Romans 14, set of doctrine. So the weak, him that is weak in the faith. Again, not a lack of faith, but rather a lack of understanding or a lack of application of the Scripture. And you know that, again, by what is his attitude. I'm giving thanks to the Lord. I'm, giving, I'm doing this to the Lord. I'm giving thanks to God. And again, Paul is not describing a troublemaker here. Okay? In chapter 16, he tells you how to deal with the troublemakers. You mark them and you kick them out. You avoid them. You, you remove them. But they're walking contrary to what? The doctrine. See, the faith. They're walk so you move them along. So the weaker brother, for, uh, if, if, look there at verse 7, for, uh, 14, 7. For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord, and whether we die, we die unto the Lord, and whether we live therefore or die, we are the Lord's. That's both the weaker and the stronger. Who do we belong to? We belong to the Lord, so we're to carry this attitude. Again, the weaker brother has no malicious intent. He has no reason to, for us or for Paul or anyone here to believe that he's a troublemaker. He's thankful. He has a good spiritual attitude. He just lacks either some understanding or application. So as we move now, and again, I know we only got one verse, okay? And I'm going to let you out five minutes early, all right? A little extra time to drink up that coffee over there. But as we do that, what we're going to learn, verse 1, him that is weak in the faith, receive ye. And we're going to look at that issue of receiving him. And, and that's to be of one mind, that's to be a helper of his joy. That's to, with the goal of, of not restoring him, but the goal of edifying him, building him up, helping him out. Because when you begin to learn the doctrine, then what happens is, is liberty comes in. Stand fast in the liberty, Galatians 5.1. But then you got verse 13, it says, use your liberty to, by love, serve one another. Okay, what does that mean? You just gave me liberty, and you just took it away, <laughs> right? Well, but there's an attitude in it, okay? 
So we'll start there and try next time to get down a little further, at least down through verse number nine next time maybe, okay? But the thing is, is don't, the faith, catch that. We're not talking about just someone walking around, no faith at all, you know, just a troublemaker. We're talking about someone who, who is genuinely concerned with knowing and understanding and learning and growing. And ultimately, that's all of us, honestly. Okay? All right. Dearly Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. And above all, Lord, we just thank you for who we are in you and that we are yours. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. We'll see you.